0: Welcome to
1: Friday Afternoons, Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We have a lovely show for you today. Books, if you're looking for recommendations with Irene Gahan, Rick Crongy, he knows everything there's to know, about wine is also with us in the house. We have your top five countdown, TV theme, a oh, fantastic comedy with Miriam Margoyles. and we're going to hear about an angry buzzard, and we have more besides to do. Will we get it in over the next couple of hours? Of course we will, and we want you with us for company. 086 1800 6 by WhatsApp or text if you'd like to get in touch with us on the show. But we start late lunch on a serious note today. Muller. You know Muller in County Mead? Well, it straddles me and cabin. It's a lovely place, a quiet place normally. But earlier this week, a local woman who lives, I have to say, in an urban area, well, her life changed forever. Dorothy Morgan... She's a story to tell and just before coming on air I caught up with her and just let's have a listen to this and you'll hear what happened to this poor woman. Here we go.
2: Tuesday night co- coming into the small hours of the morning no, I, normally I do have a I lie down in the afternoon because I've taken off sight of tablets and riddled with arthritis you know and um, I, I was having a doze but, but anyway I, I go to bed early and I woke, and sometimes i get up during the night and i put on the television. And the next thing, there I was watching The Godfather of all Things. And, and I was nearly about to doze off again. I took a back of the bed and the back door opened and there he was, this man. Now he put titan Fury to shame, the size of him. I said, what do you want here? And he said, I'm looking for money. I said, there's my purse sitting there at the small table beside me. There's 50 pounds in this. Take it and go. And he took the money and he went. He didn't hurt me, though. I have to say. He didn't track me or anything like that. And I was about to get up behind the chair and then he said, it's been your worst ever nightmare. I said, this is a nightmare, isn't it? And he said, it'll be our worst ever nightmare. as you attempt to get up behind that chair. No, I'm I'm nearly seventy four years of age. I just was a young man, um, I'd say he'd be about thirty five years of age and uh he wouldn't be wouldn't be any more than that. But then I felt very frightened. And he went anyway, he went, he closed the door, it's a sliding door, and he went. And then, oh God, I rang the guards, and uh, the next thing then, he uh, reappeared about 20 minutes later. I said, you got the money. There's nothing here for you. What more do you want? He said, you rang the guards. And, yeah. I said, I did, and they're on their way. I said, you better go if you want to escape them. But well, anyway, in the heat of the hud, um, apparently he had done it to, to a 68-year-old man and a, 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 a 76-year-old woman. Two other people died. I didn't know anything about it. I don't know who they are. God help them. They made an arrest. They said they got him. And I said, well, thanks be to God for that. But if he, the whole point about it is this. Apart from what he did to me, he has... Now, it was a beautiful day yesterday, and it's a nice day this afternoon. I'd like to be out go out into the old garden and do do a little bit of garden and, and to set sit in the sun. I'm frightened to go out into my own garden because he's staring me head he he's, he's, I know he's not there physically now, but i I don't know whether he was held in custody. I don't know what has happened, but that's not going to come back. And I don't know. I'm afraid to open up the back gate. I'm afraid to open up the back door because I cannot get this visit out of my head.
1: He is you absolutely living in fear.
2: You know, unless that man was jailed, he needs to be removed from society for a while. To, To make him realize he should be forced into some sort of um, scheme that would make him realize what he has done, what he has done to me. And to the extent I was here in contentment here in Murrah, why can I not live in contentment without being forced into this awful situation that I'm afraid to open a back door. He has destroyed my life. He has. He has. You know, and I live here in peacefulness and ease and I have great neighbours. The, the point about it is this, I'm actually afraid of my life to go out and, you know, I'd probably go to be grave with, with this awfulness the other night it just absolutely
1: has me. Mm. and Dorothy he had no weapon or anything like that with him no
2: no I, I have to say the only thing he had no weapon it was his size he chose his target very well
1: yes a vulnerable lady like yourself and tell me when he came back the second time did he yeah. hang around long did he take anything else or do anything else
2: well, apart from the money that he took, but, I mean, when he took that initially, that was all that was in the purse. It was a 50-pound nose. The only thing he said to me was, I said, he said, if you ever can get up out of that chair, it would be our worst nightmare if you get up out of that chair.
1: Dorothy, this has impacted on you really severely. As you said, your life has changed in an instant. Will you ever get over this?
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. The fear will be there. and I think it will remain with me for the rest of my life.
1: Now, Dorothy, all I can tell you is we know a man has been arrested. Is that any comfort to you?
2: The the, the guards did say that there was an arrest made, but for God's sake, that's not going to make any difference unless he's held in custody. That's not going to make any difference to me, is it? Because that's when I can, can come back. You know, the guards were very, very good from bed. They came out. I was out to pay in 200 euros to get a new gate put into the back, you know. It was dangerous. And he broke the new gate. And I, but the guards came out. Two huge big fellas. They were lovely men. And they fixed the gate and locked the back door and fixed the lock. They did Everything that they possibly could. And they said, don't worry your head about it. We have an arrest. All we can
1: say to you today is, please, you know, understand that this is a rare occurrence and that to happen again would be very, very unusual. And all I can say to you is, I hope you get peace of mind and that you'll be able to get back to the life you enjoyed before this awful incident.
2: Listen, thanks very, very much, Dave. But, you know... Oh, elderly people should be very very much made aware of what, what can happen and in, in an instant that and it, it's totally life changing and it's so unfair it's so unfair I worked hard all the dear days of my life I never did or harm to anybody and for, for somebody to come along and do a thing like that, it's shameful. There's no respect for the elderly. And this, this fella to come and, and do that to me and destroy property belonging to me and break in and steal from me and threaten me is totally unacceptable.
1: Well said, Dorothy. Listen, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today on the show.
2: Okay, bye-bye. Mind yourself, uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Your heart would go out to that woman, wouldn't it? Her life just changed in an instant, an absolute instant. She wasn't harming anybody. She didn't invite that on our house at all. Uh, just uh, from the guardy, uh, uh, we statement on it. Uh, the guardy responded. They say to reports of an intoxicated male in a residential area in Muller shortly after four a.m. on Wednesday. Uh, The 28th of June, a man in his 30s was arrested at the scene for public order offences and detained under the Criminal Justice Act 1994. He has since been charged and is due to appear before Cavan court. That was uh, uh, that will be on Thursday, the 6th of July. But she's fearful. Dorothy uh, Morgan is fearful, even though he has been arrested and charged, that that man may come back. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you'd like to say anything to us on the show this afternoon. I hope she gets over it. It's not easy when it's in your mind. She says it there. Terrible really, isn't it? God help her. Anyway, I said to her, it's rare and let's hope it never happens to her again or to any other vulnerable person. Last night, Louise, do you know where I went last night? You do know where I went last night. Uh, a few uh, months back, I interviewed the two women uh, behind the the new tapas book that's come out under the Blaster Books label. We had a great cracker on the day, Anna Cabrera and Vanessa Murphy. Well, I went to the restaurant, as you know, Louise. Last yeah, night, without last, me, uh, without you. Well, <laughs> well, it's very hard to get you, isn't it? Now, come on, be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it's not that you're off, not offered, isn't that? Let's <laughs> come on, let's clarify this here you'd be very welcome to come along anyway i met eddie and celia my good friends there and uh, we went to las tapas de lola on wexford street popped into whelan's you know the music Mm -hmm. venue the famous music venue beforehand and then over to the restaurant and anna and vanessa were waiting for us there and it was lovely to meet them and i'm going to say this today on the air it's probably the most memorable dining experience of my life what did you eat Everything. <laughs> everything, Barbara. I tried that much. You get the little bowls of tapas come up. You know what I mean? I mean, the pig's cheek. Oh, my God. The black pudding that we talked about in the air. The uh, the prawns, the meatballs, <laughs> the uh, sausage. Oh, I could just keep going and going. We tried nearly everything under the sun. And oh, fantastic. L- lovely yeah, sweets and everything it. afterwards. But the staff, the service, the food, the welcome, the atmosphere... Las Tapas de Lola on Wexford Street If you get a chance Go there and enjoy And Anna and Vanessa, thank you so much indeed It was absolutely beautiful There was a guy called Cormac out running In Giles Quay last evening North Loud When events took a turn for the worse Because a buzzard attacked him I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon On the show to Conservation Ranger With the National Parks and Wildlife Service Jennifer Lynch, she knows the story Hi Jennifer
3: Hi, Jerry. How are things? Good. Is this
1: the same bird? Because I remember a couple of years ago, say 21, us talking about this on the show.
3: Could it be the same bird? It's very likely, yes. This type of behaviour is quite rare among buzzards, but for it to be reported twice in such a short period of time, um, it's a good chance it is the same bird, yes.
1: Why are they uh, annoyed with people in a certain area? What, what, prompts this?
3: Yeah, this is, it's all about their young. So at this time of year they nest uh, high up in the trees and it's probably a particular one or two trees they're using there and it's more like, it's likely now that the eggs that they were sitting on that they're incubating have hatched and they, the parents are now on high alert because they have young defenseless chicks in in this nest. So they're they see everything as a threat. Um and in particular probably this one bird and um, so they are they're going to be quite uh protective, as all new parents are, um, mm. for the for the next uh short period. Um they say that the birds they on average they take about forty four to fifty two days to fledge, so to go from hatching out of the egg to leaving the nest. So this is gonna be the the most difficult period for them and for people in the local area until these these young leave the nest and then this behaviour will completely stop.
1: Is it the mammy or daddy that's doing the attacking? <laughs> or can it be question.
3: either? It could be either. Um I, I don't know. I haven't haven't got a chance to get out myself because yeah. they reported to me today but um and and to be honest it's not easy to tell the male from the female bird in this species there's no mm. there's no obvious differences.
4: Mm.
1: Now, Giles Key, can we pinpoint where it is? Uh, you know, Giles Key is a, a, quite an expansive an area. Yeah. Do- my uh,
3: my understanding from the information I have it would be towards the top of the road that leads down towards the caravan park and the pier. Right. Um, so to be honest it would be mostly local people who would be affected by this uh, people who are out walking and jogging in the area as opposed to people who are coming down to stay at the caravan park or to visit the quay or walk along the beach at the back mm. um, so that's my impression is at the very top of that T junction there if you know the area
1: so people just need to avoid there i suppose they have to pass down that way what do you say yeah. to them if they have to pass by are you better going slowly or does fast movement attract them
3: seems be that joggers and runners seem to be more at risk that's the report i'm getting in Um i would just say uh, just be aware to keep your wits about you Um it seems to be early in the morning as well is is the problem Um possibly after a quiet night the birds have kind of got used to a low level of any sort of activity and then suddenly this this jogger or high-speed runner comes to the <laughs> yeah. area and um, but something as simple as maybe crossing the road or um if if you're going down towards the pier and it's not such a big step you know maybe take your take your car down or you know just you know until you you pass that danger yeah. area just to keep keep an eye out um or if possible just it's obviously not possible for locals, but to, to give that area a bit of space for the next three or four weeks.
1: Um, yes, and maybe a little sign, locals, if you're up there. You could put a little sign up and say, beware of the birds, beware of the buzzard. Yeah. But, you know, it is, uh, seriously, though, when they do sweep, they're a big, a swoop, should I say, they're a big bird.
3: Yeah, they're about, they're, so their wingspan is about just over four foot um, so it is quite large and it would seem almost bigger when they're coming down and when they're sitting, you they often see them sitting on a post or a, a telegraph pole on the side of the road and they're about two foot tall when they're they're sitting with their wings tucked in. They can seem quite small there um, but I wouldn't like to, um, to encounter one at close proximity like they are. The hormones are up there, it's natural for them to want to protect this nest. Now in general these birds will nest in remote locations away from humans, away from people. And I think possibly due to COVID and just less activity in the area that these birds have moved in back in maybe 2021, like you mentioned, and got settled in there and now with normal levels of activity resuming this is where a bit of a clash is coming between nature mm.
1: and people. And they are a native bird, we have to say to Absolutely. Ireland, and their numbers have proliferated in the last years. Even where I live here in the north side of Drawhead, I know where they are. There's quite a, a population of them there too. So they, they are widespread, to be sure. Absolutely. So just one more time, exactly where it is, please, for listeners.
3: Um, my understanding is it's at the, the T-junction with the main road that leads down to Giles' Quay. So there's a small side road that leads down straight down to Giles' Quay. It's at that junction area.
1: Okay, very good. So, look, uh, be careful if you're out there. Take care. And, uh, you know, it is not an attack on you. It's more the protection of their offspring and their young. That's what they're concerned about uh, at this time. And it will pass, as Jennifer says, as the birds fledge, 44 to 50 days or so. So we're on down that road at the moment. Listen, you've been great. Thank you very much for joining me.
3: Thank you, Jerry.
1: Take Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Jennifer Lynch there, Conservation Ranger with the National Parks and Wildlife Service. They're so common now. I remember a good few years ago, and it is a good few years ago, uh, when I wasn't working on late lunch at the time. I was part-time here and working on sport mainly, ringing into the breakfast show to Seamus and Christy and telling them about a bird I saw uh, up at the retail park in Toronto. This is before they were widespread. And um, the boys brought me on the air. And honestly, they, they ridiculed me. Seamus that you know Seamus yourself he's a divil. he said ah oh, you were out late last night you were seeing things you need to go to spec savers and I was saying to myself not at all I've seen this I've seen two of them a pair of them anyway I hung up and uh, next thing the taxi drivers and people are ringing in Jerry's right they are we've seen them they are up there so I felt vindicated I really did anyway little story on the buzzards now let's move on on the show and uh, Say hello to one of our valued regulars. She's the owner of Academy Books on the south side of Drahada in Southgate. Wonderful Southgate there. Check her out for all your book needs, school books, anything. This woman will organise it for you. And boy, does she know her books. Irene Gahan, welcome back to the show.
5: Happy Friday, Jerry. How are
1: you? I'm good, and happy Friday to you too. I am happier when you're with me on the Fridays, I have to say. Great to have you with us again, and you have some whopping recommendations for us. Okay, your book of the month. Let's go go at it first.
5: Well, I'm going to preface this with, I've just had streps, so my voice might sound a little bit odd. <laughs> so apologies in advance if it suddenly goes high and low. You're great. Um, my book of the month is called Yellow Face by Or F. Kwang um, and slightly odd title. The book is yellow with eyes on it. You're not mm. going to miss it in any bookshop. It is our book of the month for July. And I was, wasn't too sure when I picked it up, but boy, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, I read it in 48 hours. So it is basically written by uh, the lady who wrote the Poppy Wars trilogy. So she would quite be quite a, a babel. Um, which is very, very popular. So she'd be quite a, a, a prolific author and she's an incredible academic in her uh, you know, in her own mm. right. Um and she's very, very knowledgeable on her on her topics. Um but Yellowface is interesting and if I had to put it against something, it's probably uh, uh, it, it's John Boyne, The Echo Chamber. There's elements of that in that book if you had to compare it to something, if that's okay. what makes sense. Yeah. So basically June and Antina are frenemies. Um, they're both writers. However, Antina's star Rose, June basically got left behind. So Antina is the darling of the literary world um, and June basically not so much. But Antina and her, um, Antina's a very, very isolated person as a lot of writers are. Um, her only friend really is June, but they're kind of frenemies. June witnesses, and I use my air quotes, um, Antina dying. Oh. Um, and, wait, no, don't be too sad. Well, don't be sad, be sad for sat not for June. June spots her manuscript, which she types out longhand um, on, a, on a typewriter, not on a computer. So there's no copies anywhere. She swipes her manuscript as she walks out the door. An unpublished manuscript that Athena has written, and basically she takes it and steals it.
1: Oh, what a friend. <laughs>
5: And she rebrands herself as Juniper's Song and becomes an absolute sensation. Now, she qualifies it by saying she writes, rewrites a lot of it. But what ensues from that point on is very much a a modern commentary on being a writer, the publishing industry, getting cancelled... Um, you know, being politically correct, the immigrant experience, are you qualified to write it, not qualified to write it, a bit like the American Dirt scenario where obviously the author was criticised for writing as something that she, and, you know, it was different. Um, so it's, it's all about what happens after that. But what happens is she... Somebody knows that it's not her manuscript, or someone finds out, someone has worked out that this is not her manuscript, yes. and it's everything that goes on from there. Oh. And it is absolutely, anyone who's interested in books or the publishing world or. Um, you know the, the you know a lot of what's going on a lot of the J.K. Rowling stuff, a lot of the John Boyne for writing yeah. about the Holocaust, they will love this book. They will eat this book up. And that is our book club uh, book.
1: Oh, good on you. Yellow Face is the name of the book. How do you pronounce the author's name again? Or S. Quang. Oh yeah, you can't miss it. It's a yellow cover here and the eyes are looking out <laughs> at you as well. Highly, highly recommended by Irene and a brilliant plot in it as well, involving, you know, writers and publishing. Now, you've picked two others kindly for us, and I have to ask you about this next one. This has to be just for dads, is it? The next one you've picked?
5: Okay, we see. I, I, I love geeking out about history
2: <laughs> of politics.
5: So it is a dad book, but I, it's not a dad book. You know the way when people come in and the summer and go, okay, I like politics, I like history, I like, Irish, you know, and it's very, it is it is kind of a dad book, give me this book, for, you know, mm. I need to read for the summer. Um, now, i put other authors in that bracket as well, but it was only released there in June on the 20th, you know, early, in mid-June, actually, 2023, and it's written by Irish Times, uh, Irish Times uh, correspondent and uh, writer, Conor Gallagher, mm. um, and the title is, Is I The the title here I have is is basically "Is Ireland Neutral?" Many myths of new Irish neutrality, and I think it is the best. There was a book written years ago, 1987, um, by somebody on the myth of Irish neutrality. But this book is kind of a catch-all of everything that's happened: headlines, academics. Um, things that Ireland have done that could be condemned not necessarily neutral it is absolutely an excellent read now it's not a hard read in the sense that it's not heavy it is just a really good read if you're sitting by the pool and you want something to get your teeth into it is a kind of a social commentary on Ireland's I like to call it a neutral fluid if that makes sense yeah Um, for the la- since 1939 effectively when devil Air declared that we were neutral so it is an excellent excellent book and it's you don't necessarily have to be an absolute history buff it doesn't get too bogged down but it brings us all the way up to where we are now with our um, forums on the public yes. forums on neutrality yeah. you know are we neutral are we not neutral are we military aligned or not military um, aligned and, and basically the dialogue and the discussion around it and I have to say since Prisons of Geography and Putin's People I haven't found a book that kind of caught me Um yeah. This is it, though.
1: This is this is the one well, I would absolutely like. You recommend. know, when you say, Irene, we hang on to all of your words, that it is the <laughs> best book on the topic that you've ever come across, yes. that is one hell of a recommendation for it. And I have been reading about it myself, and I see it has been uh, broadly welcomed. It's called Is Ireland Neutral by Conor Gallagher, and it's out at the moment. Now, your third pick, A Lesson in Malice... By Catherine Cairn. This woman is, uh, this is her third book, uh, Cruel Deeds. I remember that one well, was a big one of the previous ones as well. What do you make of a lesson in malice?
5: So I really, obviously there's a crime involved and I had to pick at least one crime book to add into this. So I really like um, Catherine's writing. She writes in the first person as well, which is quite interesting. But I had never come across the term campus crime. So it's set in University College Cork. It, there's been a murder. A professor has died. Mm. <laughs> well, a professor's been murdered, basically. Oh, yes. um, and it's all about. It's based. Uh, Finn Fitzpatrick. Um, her is, UCC is her alma mater, and she's a, a lawyer, a barrister, and she gets invited to. Very uh, weirdly, gets invited. She said to feel to a. a Dinner for the president of the school and there's an awful lot of, there's, you know, there's a few people invited. But at the end of the dinner, everyone kind of goes off, goes to separate ways, but a body is, is found. Um, and everyone effectively at that dinner is now a suspect. So they pull her in to do her, their own investigation. But, you know, as with all crimes, as with all crime novels, there's layers and layers of an onion that gets peeled back and everyone has their own secrets. But I like it because she really describes anyone who's gone to UCC or anyone who's, you know, you know related to court will you know, we'll be able to picture it so much in their mind, and you know, because it's she uses the campus as kind of um, a tour guide of everything, if that makes sense. So, mm. that, you know, all the different quads and the different areas in the buildings and the chapels, and she pulls a little bit of history into it as well. Um, but she unpeels, starts to unpeel all the layers, and this is a you know, this is one of those uh, take yourself off, uh, take yourself off, and really, really enjoy it and really get into it. Um, and at the sort of end of every chapter, there's a little. And a little twist and you go okay I thought I had it sorted but no no. <laughs> go back to it again so that's literally just been released um, by Hachette Ireland so I would really recommend A Lesson in Malice by
1: There Catherine. you go A Lesson in Malice by Catherine uh, Kerwin I, and the main character Finn Fitzpatrick is Lister I bet you she wishes she would never went back to her alma mater to get involved in anything there because she's become a suspect herself but you've got to read on to uh, find out more Now, before we finish, I did put you on the spot at short notice because it is summertime. People are heading off on holidays at home and abroad and they love to have a couple of books. I know this with them, whether by the pool or whatever. You've come up with a a, a wee list. Quickly through them for me. What are you recommending?
5: Okay, so if I go with dad books first because yep. you know yourself it's been it's been a week of everyone coming in looking for books. I would suggest obviously Conor Gallagher's new book. I would say anything by Tim Marshall, um prisoners of geography, power of geography, anything by Bill Browder, also topical, and Putin's people oh, yeah. um Catherine Belton. Those are my dad books. But okay. there's also the Accomplice by Steve Kavanagh, or anything by Steve Kavanagh, and most people want to travel with small paperbacks, not with larger versions. So the, most of these are small versions, if that makes sense, or they're paperback
2: mm. versions. So
5: Steve Kavanagh is great. He writes about Eddie Flynn. Eddie Flynn is a lawyer who will only take you on if he's convinced that you are innocent. And he has, his latest book is called uh, The Accomplice. And basically, um, the husband is a serial killer, but the question is, did the wife know? Oh. So it is, Brilliant. It is a man book. It's a it, you know, it's for everybody. It's not just a boy you know, it's just not just a dad book or whatever. It's absolutely brilliant. I okay. would really, really recommend it. The other one I have, which is also in paperback, which we actually talked about before, is The Last to Disappear yes. by Joe
1: Spain. Brilliant.
5: That's out in paperback. Now, if you're much more interested in your girly, uh, you know, something light, fluffy, um Verity by Colleen Hoover. It's also by about a writer, a very, very mysterious. There's lots of stuff going on in there. And I'm not a Colleen Hoover fan, but I did enjoy Verity. It kept me hooked. If you also like kind of a family drama as an intrigue, I would go to say anything by Lucinda Riley. <laughs> but Seven Sisters is the first of the Seven Sisters series. So I would recommend those books. Lovely. Liz Nugent, Strange Sally Diamond, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it'll, that'll keep you going for the whole holiday. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and then there's something I have to tell you by Michelle McDonough I also really enjoyed. Um, Island of Longing. Annie Griffin, I also really enjoyed. And obviously Lessons in Chemistry by um, Bonnie. Um, I, don't, I don't even know how to pronounce her second name. But Lessons in Chemistry. And apparently there's a 700 waiting queue in one of the Irish... Uh, libraries, 700 in the queue to get this book out in the library, Lessons in Chemistry. So any of those books, if you brought them away, you're guaranteed a good read.
1: You are the very best. Irene Gahan from Academy Books, Southgate Centre on the south side of Drogheda. Give her a shout there. She'll look after you and tell her you were listening to her today on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Until the next time, thanks a million. Take care. See Irene. Bye-bye. Irene Gahan there with our book recommendation. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called... Comedy? Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy.
6: Comedy. Classic comedy.
7: Classic comedy.
6: On the late launch... I love comedy.
7: I parked on a double yellow line in Shaftesbury Avenue. It was um, the day of the state opening of Parliament, and I rushed up to give a take a tape, an audio tape, because, you know, I do audio tapes, to my agent, and I came downstairs. There was a policeman pasting um, a parking ticket on my windscreen, and I was just furious, because I'd only been there for a a minute. And so, you know, I tore it off the windscreen, and I said, you've got a dick that small. (laughs) The best thing is to insult him as quickly as possible. <laughs> of course. And he took umbrage, didn't, didn't like it, and he arrested me um, for a breach of the peace and uh, parking on a double yellow line. And um, then he called for help from other policemen, and there were lots about because it was the state opening of Parliament and, you know, they're mingling around. And so um, I was taken in a in a police car to Bow Street Police Station uh, and um, there I was arraigned and um, they said uh, empty your handbag and I had a few things in my handbag and one of them was a packet of peppermints but they're wrapped in silver paper you see and that the detective in charge thought that it was drugs <laughs> and he said um you know, what have we got here then? That's interesting. Yes. And I said, it's just a packet of peppermints, officer. And he said, no, I think we better check you out, matron. And he got the, um, the matron to come and uh, put me in a, in a room privately. And I knew, I knew because I was sharp, that she was going to give me an internal examination. <laughs> I just knew that. Nothing had been said, but I knew it. So when she locked the door, she went out for a bit, I took all my clothes off, immediately. (laughs) Well, you would, you know, if you know you're going to be examined. And and she came back in and she said, you've been here before. (laughs) I said, I have not been here before. She said, yes, you have. How did you know to take your clothes off? And I said, well, I know you're going to examine me, aren't you? They called you matron, so I knew something was afoot. (laughs) So, so, um, she said, anyway, bend down or lie on the couch or something. And she uh, examined me, my front body and my back body. (laughs) And, of course, they thought I wouldn't like it. (laughs) Well, this is a story. It's a true story. You know, Martin Scorsese, of course. Well, I I was in a film that he was directing Mm -hmm. called The Age of Innocence, a very good movie, by the way. (laughs) And um, before it started, you have to go in a sort of costume parade and everybody looks at you to see if the costume fits the character and all that. And I was the very last person to be seen that day. It was a
0: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
7: Big cast, loads of people, you know, Dan Day-Lewis and Michelle Five, you know, really important people. And then there was, you know, that shoplifter, Winona Ryder. And, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't like her. I really didn't. But, and there were lots of other people, hundreds of people, and I was the very last person. And when I got in the room, I could see they were just exhausted. The whole crew, they, they were slumped. They were tired, they were fed up. And I thought, I've got to do something to cheer them up. Because when you see people in that state and you know you're going to be working with them, and I thought, I know what I can do. And so I stood up there and I just lifted up my top and (laughs) tore off my bra and my bosoms, which are large and... and ..and and, and friendly. And And I... And I just gave them to them. (laughs) And it made them happy. (laughs) It was worth doing. <laughs> the wonderful
1: Miriam Margolds I just love her She's 82 years young And she's the Vogue girl for July. She's on the front cover of Vogue at 82 And boy does she look well And she does <clears throat> one or two things she's mentioned in that uh, little <laughs> piece there That little clip we played for you Yes, yeah, your Comedy on Friday Miriam Margoyles Time to talk wine on late lunch And there's only one man for us Rick kranje Welcome back Rick
6: Thanks very much, Jerry. Great to Good see to you. Here.
1: And I want to start by saying a big thank you to Barry Lynch and the team in O'Brien's Wines in Drahoda who've provided us with the wines today.
6: Absolutely, Jerry. And Barry went beyond. He, uh, he always does. He, does. he does. He does. And the crew, the lads
1: and Absolutely. lassies there. They're fantastic if you go in there. They will look after you. They'll talk to you. They'll recommend. They'll take on board. That's what I love about them.
6: We've always supported the independence and definitely... And uh, what we have today, uh, Jerry, I can guarantee listeners, you'll be up there, talk to the team. Oh, brilliant. Now, I'll let you pronounce the grape name, please. Yeah, it's the
1: Gewürztraminer. Gavutztramina. How did I do? All right? Very well, Jerry. Thank you, Rick. I'll you get take that. It better by the third class. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a white
6: grape variety that originated in Italy. Yeah, Tramin. That's where the last yep. part comes from in uh, Italy, um, and now it's taken to you know not exactly all over the world because it's extremely particular where it grows, mm. but it it's found that little niche in the market, Jerry, and I think it's 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 a lovely grape. That's all I, I can say to. So, to, do to Italy still up. grow most, or is it? And no, 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 no. It, it it will be more towards the, the French and the German okay. side right. uh, growing in the uh, Jerry. No, no. So France, Germany, we're talking about as
1: the yeah. main growers. And what Rick is doing, just to remind listeners, he's taking a grape and we're comparing a wine grown in the Northern Hemisphere, which we're talking about now, with the same grape grown in the Southern Hemisphere. When I read uh, the brief you gave me on this, I-, I get from it for the first time ever, I'd say you were with me, that this is a difficult
6: character, this particular grape. Would that be right? Absolutely. Hard to yeah. grow. It's hard to grow. It's hard to harvest. its as I'm going to say it has a mind of its own. Mm. Because even when it comes to harvesting, it's very inconsistent in ripening. You could have patches that is ripe, others not. So, so... You really got to know where you're going with this. Mm. uh, And susceptible,
1: you say, as well, to disease and frost. And that can lead to erratic ripening and. Exactly. All that type of stuff. Yeah,
6: yeah. very difficult, Jerry, from start <laughs> to finish. You know? Why would you grow it? It must drive growers you? mad, does it? I think it's the challenge. Yeah, I think it's the challenge, uh, Jerry. And if you get it right, which uh, I am sure we're going to prove today, it's a beautiful, beautiful grape. Mm. It really is. And the color extends from you know pale through to pink, even into red. In even into red. And and uh, I, I just to, to to hover on that. A little bit there again that is just uh, the the natural occurrence on it i think yeah. with red grapes uh, people often ask me they tend to go from blue to black so when you see a gavutz going into red it doesn't it's not a red grape it is white mm. but that's just a mutation you mm. Know? Mm. very interesting grape though very sugar 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 it is high Isn't naturally it? yeah yeah um But again, the challenge is to harvest it at the right time so that you don't go over that uh, uh, limit. Okay. Um, France, as you say, Germany, that type
1: of area is the main growing area. And uh, not a
6: huge amount of hectares or acreage under this grape. No. No. No, not at all, Jerry, because it's so specific yes. related to the soil and to the climate. You know, the Alsace region would be sort of a main concentration. Okay. But, you know, you'll find pockets of it. I mean, we, we have a beautiful, we have a, a Spanish one here from uh, Catalonia, as we pronounce it. Uh, it's actually Catalunya. And then uh, New Zealand. Okay, so this no. is the
1: comparison today. Correct. So we're stepping slightly outside the main growing region, and it is grown in Catalonia, in Spain. So let's talk about the first wine that you have here. And I want to tell you this, there's bubbles coming up in that yes. bottle there since yes. you opened it. Is that usual
6: yeah. for that, this? That, that is, Jerry, That uh, you, You'll always see a bit of a, they call it spritz. Mm. In it, and that's just a natural thing that comes from the grape. It's just. Got uh, that is that little peculiar
1: to grape. this type of grape?
6: And it is. Yeah, it is. It it, it is just has that tendency to to do that. Um, uh, just a natural occurrence in mm. it, which is lovely.
1: Yes. It's so let's really have a little nice. sip. Will you describe it there for listeners, anyway? Yeah. So let's talk well, that, about what we have here. This is
6: from Spain, from the Catalonia. Uh, area, or Catalonia as we pronounce it. Great nose on fantastic, it. Fantastic, Jerry. Fantastic. Oh, it's hopping out of the glass there. Yeah. Torres Vina Esmeralda. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, it's a low alcohol, 11.5, which is not unusual. Uh, and, of course, 20, uh, 22 uh, right. uh, from it. And, of course, as we know, uh, the uh, Torres is one of the biggest uh, uh, Producers, 1,700 hectares plus another 200 okay. or so. Beautiful, and they've been going since 1870, so they go. know what they're at. They do, know.
1: and they've obviously allotted some uh, ground to the growing of this grape. Yeah. It's really pale, isn't it? It's Even as pale. they hold it up to like the light yeah. it's a very pale wine, altogether
6: It's very together. pale. Um, a ah, there's f- fruit in that, isn't there? Peaches and yeah. stuff like that in Tropical it. Tropical really hints, yeah. yeah. Mm. I thought it had quite a strong nose on it, you know. Um, It's brilliant. Rick, it's gorgeous. It's lovely. It's It's absolutely,
1: absolutely. absolutely. It's a summer wine, if ever there were one. And I'll tell you this, I give people my last rollo, but I think I'd keep this to myself, Rick. Would that be all right?
6: (laughs) (laughs) As they say, you can look at the label, but no further.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, I have to say, as an aperitif, that is mine. This is yes. mine as an aperitif. I have 100%, to say, it Jerry, it's 100%. gorgeous.
6: It's gorgeous. It's it's fruity. It's light, and it's almost like a bit of a silkiness. It's not harsh in any form or shape whatsoever.
1: Oh, it is a super wine. Spain, Catalonia, Torres, Vina Esmeralda,
6: Gewürztraminer. Gewürztraminer. There you it have it, Jerry. Is yeah. the grape twenty twenty two. Thirteen euro. It's uh, a giveaway, isn't it? Giveaway, Jerry. From
1: O'Brien's Wines in Drogheda. Barry and the crew there will look after you for sure. I love that white rick that yeah. is beautiful that's that's my wine is summer 23 you still have to come to me in july yes yeah. yes. but yes, i'm yes. nominating that already as yeah. my wine yeah, it's yeah, beautiful yeah. rick now so that's our northern hemisphere uh, the grape sorted there so mm-hmm. let's fly south and we're flying as rick said to new zealand for the second one now before we taste this and talk about it
6: this is single vineyard what do you yes. mean by that Very good question, Jerry. Really, I'm glad you asked it because we we, we just want to explain that. What that means, it's from one block of vines. That's Mm. exactly what it means. A single vineyard. And the reason why they go for that is because it's just everything just worked for them Mm. in that block. So it's going to be the moment you see single vineyard, you can be rest assured you're talking quality Everything worked for the wine, from the picking right through to the bottom. They're not going to mix it with anything. And you could probably, probably expect to pay another euro or two. Fine. Very, yeah, just quality all the way through okay and, and again, usually hand-picked sorry Jake. yeah no go, no yeah, yeah i was going to say that yeah to you. that's yeah you know why is that why why because you want to preserve the quality you have okay again. You just don't want to interfere there you are it. we're learning
1: no? we learn every day this man comes to us on the show but that's the reason uh why it's a hand-picked so again we're talking about the give it Stramina grape uh and it's single vineyard new zealand I, I've seen this bottle before. Insight yes. is what's on the label. Insight, yes. beautiful. beautiful. And 2022, 20, 18. It's slightly dearer than the other one, but as you said, there's a reason behind yes. that as well. Yes. Now is this it here? Now I can yeah, tell you already. It. It's it. It's slightly
6: deeper in the color straight yes, away when I look at it than the straight other away. one, isn't it? Correct. It yeah. is. It is. It is. And uh, of course, Southern Hemisphere. Uh, I'm not getting
1: actually. Well, maybe a little.
6: Rose, roses? Ro- rose, yeah, it's 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 definitely the nose is more shy than the first yeah, one. It doesn't it really is. jump out uh, yes. at you. It's rose, maybe a touch of spice, but there's something sweeter hovering somewhere in the back there as well. Certainly on the palate, I think you're going to pick it up. Oh, now
1: I'm now now I'm really confused because I found my other wine of the summer this year.
6: Yeah, exactly, Rick. yeah. But
1: so different
6: to the other one. So different, but yet so beautiful Beautiful. in its own right, isn't it? It is, Gerry.
1: It its jerry its Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Oh, that really, let me just, I'm only taking a sip, folks. And I always say alcohol responsibly, plenty of water. And I did have a little rinse between the two just to make sure that I would taste the full taste and, and, and distinct between the two of them. But this is Absolutely lovely. So, New Zealand, Marlborough, tell me, talk to me a little bit about the Marlborough estate.
6: Yeah, yeah, the Marlborough, this is a, a, a couple that bought uh, what used to be a sheep farm, actually, 41 hectares in 2002. And then they converted to, to vine over a five year period. And um, they got uh, the lady that actually makes wine, Evelyn Fraser, she's ex Cloudy Bay, top, top winemaker she is. Mm. So they've really gone the extra mile, and they just absolutely concentrate on that forty-one hectares, and it's absolutely stunning what they've achieved, mm. you know. And this is an example. Of course, they do the Sauvignon Blanc as yes, well. Yes, yes. And a, a simple but very elegant mm. label in it, you know.
1: You you like to match this particular wine? I see that you like a match with, with but yeah. I, I'm go- I'm gonna mm. it. But I'm I'm going to say to you today. May I say, and maybe it's only
6: me. I'd quaff that on its own. Oh, you happily, I, Rick. I, oh, absolutely, Jerry. I would definitely go along with you. You know, mm. um, uh, just, just a slight difference is the, the you know, the Spanish is as a light wine as yeah. in eleven and a half percent, whereas this is thirteen percent. So there's a slight difference there. Now, one and a half might not. Sound a lot, yes. Until the guard stops you, and you tell him, "Well, it's only one and a half percent difference." God, I don't know if you'll get away with it, but you can try it.
1: Well, <laughs> if you can try it sometime. You should never be stopped anyway. But exactly, if you, you can try Jerry, it sometime, or, never, or if you arrive you home never,
6: or things like that, yeah, and you, you haven't. An never be stopped. From. No, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I I think, uh, like a curry, you know, just because yes. that sweetness would just yes. offset that. Um, mm. um, I I think a lovely, rich and fatty fish. I mean, I had a lovely trout uh, last week, straight on the fire, out of the lake. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. With that and that wine matches perfectly. Oh, with it, 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 so it, it, does. It,
1: it just did it. It's, it a, did it's a, it. a it's a, a <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard to pronounce grape. Given stamina, but it's a beautiful grape. It really is, and you know, it's challenging. But when I taste the two, it's worth all the challenges, isn't it? Absolutely. It really is. And I
6: think that is what the winemakers want, Jerry. Mm. It's to it's prove that they, they can do it. Yeah.
1: So just to remind you again today, our first wine uh, is from Spain, Catalonia, Torres Vina Esmeralda. It is the Stramina grape and it's 2022, 13 euro from O'Brien's in Drogheda And our second one, New Zealand, we've dropped south for the second one is Insight. Uh, inside is the name you're looking for. New Zealand, Marlborough, 2022 and 18 euro. Rick, you won't go wrong with either of those. All we want now is the sun to come out again and start shining like it has been. And we're away in a hack. It's it's, it's on <laughs> order, Jay. It's coming, it's coming. And again, just before we finish, I want to ask you about this. They are really... Um, they're not chilled, those wines that I'm tasting no. today. No, and they not. come
6: through beautifully. Would they you do.
1: chill them at all?
6: I would chill about half an hour, Jerry, That's all. Because I, I, I like to get the flavours out. We don't want to kill the very flavour. Uh, so a bottle in a fridge for 24 hours and you take it out and put it oh, in the glass. no, you'll struggle, Jerry. You'll struggle um yeah it, it, it just the flavor everything closes up that's what wine does when you over chill them they just closes up mm. there's no flavor coming through well
1: you, know. you really get it today in those
6: yes absolutely
1: and that's the thing about it even at and, and they're a lovely room temperature so they are yeah. here but we always say again responsibly plenty of water food to match and enjoy it right through the evening Two absolute crackers. Thanks to Barry Lynch and the team in O'Brien's. Thank you so much to you, Rick Cronjay, for bringing these wines to us and highlighting them. They're fantastic. Until the next time. Looking forward to seeing you already, Rick. Absolutely, Jerry. I'll be here. Thank you. Tipping to Dundalk now and the museum there, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by its curator, Brian Walsh. Afternoon, Brian. How are you keeping? How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Well, the SS Dundalk, I know the history of, and my listeners do too, because we featured quite a bit about it in recent years. But there's something special happening at the museum tomorrow. Tell us, Brian.
8: Yes, I, I, what it is is basically the presentation of four items from the, uh, from the shipwreck. So we have a ceramic hand basin, we have a porthole, and perhaps more, most evocatively and most powerfully, we have the ship's bell and the hanger from which it hung.
1: This is a special uh, event for you and a special happening, is it because it's really bringing these, uh, these artefacts back home, so to speak, Brian?
8: Oh, m- m- most definitely. I-, I think that's what it is. Actually, it's it's, it's bringing them home because I I-, I, often- I often find myself wondering what is it like. We said, given the fact that the SS Dundoc, that is the is the ship. That was sunk, and it's the town. We uh, say it, it, it serviced the town or the port for, for, that it took its name from. And what type of psychological effect that that would have? Because like t- you're talking about, a, like a, 20 people were killed, 20 people were lost yes. out, out, out of out of 32, which is just mind numbing. And like the other thing about it is that, to a degree, it would just happened uh, in around the same time as the loss of the um, the, the the Leinster, the RMS Leinster. Yes. So like because of, we say there was 500 lives lost there and, that, and that, so therefore the, the Dundalk wasn't given as much prominence as it otherwise would because, of, say, because there were fears over the psychological impact as it was a time where the end, where the end of the war was just six weeks away. So you can imagine just sort of, just so many different things going on just the, and even the fact that, just we say like the, at the end of the previous year the SS Dundalk had actually withstood and evaded an attack from an um, from a U-boat uh, yes. being fired upon 52 times managed to survive only one shell struck and that actually struck a, a lifeboat and then basically you're sort of it's, t- it's 11 o'clock at night October so as I say it's just you're going around minding your business and next thing you're, you're struck by uh, Two torpedoes and the ship goes down in, in less than ten minutes. Mm. It's just the just the the power the, the power of that sword. Like even just with it, uh, I was looking at something there recently and I said that it really is sending the the bell home. It's it's that type of it's the handover yeah. of the legacy and that and that's really really powerful for, for, from my perspective.
1: Where have these been? Where have the artifacts been up to now? Uh,
8: we. At, at the bottom of the seabed, <laughs> for probably up, up until about uh, twenty nineteen, are yes. thereabouts, and then they were they were rescued, and the intention was to bring them back um, around 20, say early twenty twenty or okay. thereabouts, but unfortunately COVID intervened yes. and that type of thing. So basically, they've been in the possession of uh, a lady called uh, lady called Michelle Haywood, Doctor Michelle Haywood who is actually a member of the House of Keys, uh, which is the um, Isle of Man Parliament. Mm. So basically, she and the other members of the Discover Diving Company have basically been waiting on these waiting for the opportunity to bring them home as you say
2: It
1: is fantastic that they are back home and, and a wonderful gesture by that lady and those people as well to uh, bring them back to where actually may I may say they belong So what's, what's happening tomorrow?
8: Well t- Tomorrow is, is effectively just a simple handover. Just that the items will be formally handed over. There's a bit of paperwork that has to be done, and we're just doing it in front of an invited audience of people who are descended from the survivors and even the victims of the of the um, of the torpedo attack. So it's it, it's going to be I'd say it's going to be a very an, an emotional day. Yeah,
1: and then open to the public for viewing. Uh, we'll, uh, so we're going to have to figure out we, just have, we have to place the
8: items on permanent display so there's an element of that we'll have to we should make, a, make a space for them and that type right. of thing. Just so see. But it's something to look forward to and basically it's, it's, as you say, they're coming home and the effect of that will be, will, will be quite strong I, I expect.
1: Brian, thank you so much. Uh, good luck tomorrow and beyond and well done to all concerned. Thank you for joining me today to tell the wee story. Jerry, thanks for being, take care. Not at all. That's Brian Walsh there, curator of the County Museum in Dundalk, and that special event happening tomorrow. How big was that show in the day? It was simply massive, unmissable. People tuned in in the millions to see it. Yes, we're talking Dallas. Dallas, that's the theme from Dallas, uh, was uh, the one I was looking for. And David Toomey, well done to you. We'll pop what we have in the post. Lovely, you'll enjoy it, I promise you, today, David. Well done to you, Dallas. And to everybody, what a response today. It just shows you, rings a bell in the memory, doesn't it, Dallas? It certainly does. Now, Each day at this time, we do something like this, and we're at the the ultimate today on Late Lunch.
2: Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five
1: songs from this week of yesteryear. And today, it's... The number one from this very week in the scorching summer of 1976. And this is a song that just makes me smile and it's timeless and it will i hope in 50 100 more years time still be a song that people enjoy i'm sure it will it was their only number 1 in the uk because they had a number of big ones as well but this was the only one to make it to top spot it stayed there for 3 weeks top of the pops as i says today when we get to number 1 it's the ultimate it's the song that made it to the top of the charts and here it is for you enjoy it it's the real thing and you our listeners are everything to us, I promise you. thing ah fantastic what a wonderful timeless song my number one from this very week in 1976 in our top five countdown and we'll bring you another five to one next week on the show Jerry, I can relate to that poor woman yes top of the show we were talking to Dorothy whose life is just changed totally by a break in and a theft from her home uh, on Wednesday of this week Uh, Mary says I am a victim of crime myself the trouble is that thug will get bail and will most likely abscond judges are too lenient and bail conditions seriously need to be looked at thank you for that Mary Louise one thing I went to mention I was in Dublin last night with Celia and Eddie and we had had a beautiful meal as I mentioned that uh, this Tapas de Lola I met my me cousin met my me cousin Luke met my me cousin Luke Kelly just outside <laughs> the Gaiety Theatre first cousin well cousin I think anyway. <laughs> Luke oh what a lovely bust it is of him uh, there up by the Gaiety Theatre but here's the thing I called into Eason's on O'Connell Street re-jigged it all together it's great but magazines now have a tiny section oh, oh small very right. small and we were talking about like, this on the late lunch yeah. some time back anyway Trout and Salmon which it's still I, there it's, it, it's there I picked up but here's the thing do you know how much Trout and Salmon is now for a copy? It comes out every month. 9 euro forty two. But you know what the price is on the cover of Trout and Salmon? Five ninety five sterling. Okay. Five ninety five sterling, nine forty two euro. And I checked the exchange rate today, did the multiplication. It should actually be six ninety six.
4: But does that, you know, with Brexit and stuff, is there it an extra be, tax coming in? There must in?
1: be something because it's €2.50 more than the exchange rate. You understand?
4: Yeah. Better trout and salmon over here,
1: obviously. Yeah, well, I think I think, I'll, I, think <laughs> I think to be honest with you, I'll be going. They have an online subscription, so I think that'll be forcing me in that direction. To be honest with you, but two euro fifty difference uh, when you allow for the exchange rate between. Uh, a
4: lot for a magazine. Is it's a it, it a big a lot. magazine. Is Not it?
1: pretty thick. No. Not at all. It's just a monthly magazine like Woman's Own or you know all them things, whatever the RT Guide or something like that. You know. Oh, mm. I should have say the arctic guide? Anyway, the <laughs> <laughs> can't say those things this week. Anyway, of course you can, never mind that. Anyway, big difference. Just said I'd mention it on the show today. It's sport with Louise, but not as we know it. Not as we know it, not as we know it. We know it. It's sport with Louise, but not as we know it. It's sport with Louise. She's back. <laughs> David Sheehan is on his colliers. I feel sick. We have a guest reviewer on the show today. No, no, no. Listen, listen. you have a very good grasp of sport. Mm. Let's begin with the League of Ireland. Soccer, Premier Division tonight and two big games. The first one is in Oriel Park. It'll be a sellout. Dundalk against champions and league leaders, Shamrock Rovers. Well, Louise, what do you think?
4: Well... Dundalk will be looking to Pat Hoban, wouldn't they?
1: Oh, he's Scoring the man. Upset. He's the man. He scored twice against Drogheda last week, penalty and a, a, a goal from play to set a new club record.
4: God, there you are. You see, you don't know, know where these stuff. things come out of.
1: Oh, you know your stuff. As I they search will, Google, <laughs> they will be looking to Pat Hoban to, to you know get the goals again from the, this evening. But Rovers, you know, champions. It looked early in the season; they were struggling a bit. They've raced on now. They're Three top.
4: games in seven days, though, would they not be wrecked? Oh,
1: shit, They're all right, but they're professionals. See, Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers are full time. Poor Draughta have sympathy with Draughta. They're part time. They're working and they're trying to play as well. But these two are full time. They're paid full time. Don't have any sympathy for them at all. Why they did do they
4: it. call them the hoops? Because Rovers
1: have green rings on their shirt. They have a white shirt with green rings running around it. The hoops.
4: Yeah. Should they not be just circles? Like would they? They'd be horizontal stripes, <laughs> not hoops. Hoops to me would be circles on their shirts.
1: Uh, if Shamrock Rovers representatives are listening to the show today, her uh, Louise has a crow to pick. She 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 doesn't understand the hoops. They she are. wants little hoops like those breakfast cereals all over the shirt. That's yeah, what you they're want. Very colourful. No, the hoops go round the shirt, and I know what you're saying. They the are like a sort of parallel. No, they are sort of parallel. They are. They, 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 but look at don't don't go down that road. Let's talk about what's going to happen on the field. Who's going to win this game tonight? Come on.
4: I will go with Dundalk
1: to beat Rovers tonight. Yeah. There yes. you are. Ro- she believes Eire Louise. They're on a good run. You know they um, uh, drew it Pats there during the week. Beat Drahada last week, and uh, they're, they're steady enough. It'll take a lot. And name wouldn't
4: forgive me. If I no, said, okay, okay.
1: Me. Dundalk, you're right. You're very. You're, that's cute. All right. Now, poor Drahada part time. drahada are in Cork against the Rebels, who beat Drahada. I will tell you this: only a few weeks back here, and Drahada one nil. Right, They
4: beat Drogheda, Drogheda right. Cork won so and Drogheda Drogheda be looking for revenge
1: Well they will but, but well.
4: The curtains have come down on Freddie Draper Ah
1: Freddie Yes he's yes. gone And there's a lot of tears being shed Top scorer on loan from Lincoln Loan over going back to the UK I don't know where they're going to get the goals Louise Without <laughs> Freddie Draper
4: Oh, don't say that. I uh, might just pull it out of the hat.
1: Adam Foley now, the, 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 the responsibility probably rests on. But it's not going to be easy. Going to Cork, there's two points between them. Cork are two behind Drawhada. They haven't won since they beat Drogheda. Um What do you think? It's a big ask, isn't it? Down south in the Rebels' den to get anything what? from the game. It's two
4: points between them for what? The
1: two b- points in the table. C- Drawhada are two points ahead of Cork in the table. Last time they okay. met down there, it was a draw. Okay. And Cork have won here since... Come on.
4: I will go with Jordan. Will you? We have to. Oh, my God.
1: I know you've been very partisan now in them two predictions. Mm. You're going for both of the home sides. But good luck to you. That's what you want to do. It's your decision. You're doing the job here today. I'm only facilitating your recommendations (laughs) and predictions. (laughs) Anyway, over to GAA and let's start at home. Mead ladies up against Donegal. Final group stage match in the All-Ireland Series. They're both through uh, to the uh, key knockout Mm. stages, the quarterfinals. Um, it, the thing here is, it, it, but there is something riding on this game. You know this?
4: It's the top one or two, isn't Yes, it? you're on right. The, yeah, who, the table. Who, yeah,
1: whoever ends top will will get a better draw. So, what do you think for your own home county?
4: Oh well, me me beat Donegal, didn't they? They beat them against Donegal in, in the, league. the league, and they, they beat they them last year in the semi okay. final, didn't they? Yeah. So, so you I'd be hoping
1: you're in a do. you're in a house divided.
4: Yeah, I am. Yes, because my husband is Donny. But I'm, I'm no. I'm going with me. Oh, listen, mm. she's partisan. And full partisan. LMFM coverage All here tomorrow,
1: evening. it is on LMFM tomorrow evening. Mead and Donegal, so you going with Mead to yes. win that one and top the group and get a good draw then in the quarterfinals. Let's stay with GAA because uh, this weekend uh, we're down to the business end now. Yeah, at very last. exciting. This is the business end of the Senior All-Ireland Football Series, the quarterfinals. So um, let's begin tomorrow, Saturday, with the opening game, this is a big one Louise Kerry and Tyrone
4: mm, What do you think? <sighs> Kerry Yes Kerry
1: I think Kerry to be honest with you but they do you know something the kingdom for all their brilliance and all Ireland champions etc they'll be wary of Tyrone they'll Why? Be wa- oh listen they always are it's never never a foregone conclusion when Kerry take on Tyrone two different styles all together different approaches etc but who do you think? Kerry, Tyrone? I'll go Kerry Will you? Yeah. Okay, so go. I'll I'll go with you on that one. I I shouldn't be giving my it's it's your reviewing, but I'll I will give you my you opinion. You told me
4: to say that. <laughs> Moving swiftly on.
1: I have nothing to say.
4: <laughs>
1: I have nothing to say. I'm, t- I'm trying to advise you anyway. <laughs> I couldn't advise. <laughs> You just (laughs) pulled the rug from under me. Anyway, I can't advise you on the next one because Armagh and Monaghan... Could
4: be anyone's game. I think so.
1: Mm. Two Ulster counties... Great rivalry always in the Ulster Championship. Now in the last eight, one of them are going to the semi-finals. Will it be Armagh? Will it be Monaghan? We have a lot of Monaghan connections in this radio station. Remember mm. that. Uh, we might be able to leave this studio if we say the wrong thing here. Maggie McGuire will be waiting outside for us. A Monaghan with woman. The
4: Christmas tree. With
1: the- <laughs> <laughs> it could be lights out on the Christmas tree. It could. You're not far off <laughs> there. Anyway, I'm going for Monaghan. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I'll go for Arma I'll be really? braver. Yes.
1: Good luck to you. You're in trouble. Have you that helmet with you' going out the door there? Anyway, that's a split decision there. Then on Sunday, two big games Sunday, starting with Derry against Cork. Again, I actually say I find it hard to call this game Derry-Cork. What do you think?
4: Well, I read they've only met in the championship. This is the second time. Ever. Ever. The last one was mm. the 1993 All-Ireland Final. There you go. Who won that? Cork?
1: Don't ask me. <laughs> you really put me on the spot. Hold on when I get the Google. The
4: Oakleaf. Who who's the Oakleaf? Derry Derry won it then. Derry won it. Okay. Yeah.
1: The Oakleaf or Derry. <laughs> so Derry against Cork. Uh, what do you think? Cork were in Loud's group in the in the uh, Um I'll Cork or Derry? Who? I'll go Cork. Okay, you're going Cork. Yeah, okay. I've a hunch for Cork myself as well. Maybe just. Maybe just. We'll stay with the rebels on that one. And then I think I have to say the match of the weekend. But no respect to all of the others. Dublin against Mayo on Sunday. Be so
4: exciting. That game.
1: You know, what do you? And think?
4: and and it's reft by our own David Goff.
1: Oh, good man, David. Yep. So he's the man in the middle. Who do you think? Dublin Mayo?
4: I'm gonna go, Mayo.
1: You're going. I'm gonna Mayo. fly
4: the flag for Mayo, yeah.
1: I think the dubs will beat It'll be it will be great. Ah, oh, it would. And you know they're gonna have to play much better than they played so far. Lift the game again against the Dublin side that are just starting to purr and move along. Anyway, i are going for Mayo.
4: I am. I leave to that go prediction with you. I'm going to yes. say
1: nothing. My heart, my head says the Dubs, but anyway, we'll see what happens. Miss Louise Walsh, you've been superb. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. And for, can I just say, up yeah.
4: Kildoki? I think yeah. they're against Um yeah. and, and we went for Kildoki last year, okay. and they won.
1: All right. Good, good on you. That finishes our sporting review with Miss Louise Walsh on Late Lunch this afternoon. David Sheen will be back at <laughs> you next
4: Friday afternoon. Thankfully.
1: <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to us every day. Thanks to our guests who joined us. And Louise, thanks a million to you. I couldn't do this without you. Paul McKenna's coming next with The Drive on LMFM Radio. We're off for the weekend. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new week of Late Lunch and a brand new month of July. Have a good weekend. Take care. Mind yourselves. We'll see you then.
6: The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drahida, Dundalk, and Cabin.
3: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.